I'm kind of goofy today. This is Thursday, and it is the toward the end of the week, and it is raining again today. Raining out there, right, Chester? Chester has his slicker on again. You, I bet you haven't taken that thing off because it never quit raining. Yeah, well, anyway, tomorrow it's supposed to be sunny and 56 degrees, which are pretty nice, which are pretty nice. But uh, I'll tell you right now, (laughs) we've had it. We have had it. But it's Thursday. That's good. And also, Thursday means an old-time Radio Western. And we've got a good one lined up for you today. Hi, everybody. This is Bob Bro, and welcome to the Best Old-Time Radio Podcast. This is Thursday. This is October 29th, 2020. And what we have today is an episode of The Six Shooter. And the name of this one is General Guilford's Widow. First broadcast on NBC April the 8th in 1954. This is a script by Frank Burt, and it's a little different from your typical six-shooter episode. And it's going to have you maybe guessing a little bit. But that's all I'm going to say. This one is just really feels different. It's always felt different to me. Wouldn't uh, Wouldn't you agree, Chester? Yeah, it's almost quirky, yeah. But not not so much in a funny way. Well, anyway, I'm not going to say anything else. This features Virginia Gregg and uh, Parley Bear. They're really good at it. Just let me leave it at that. All right, so it's time for you to get, get over there. <laughs> I am assigning you to your big comfortable chair over there. And pull the ottoman out because I want your feet up. And get yourself something to drink, maybe a little snack or something. And get ready because coming up now is the six-shooter, General Guilford's Widow, from April 1954. saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the sick shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the sick shooter a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. We weren't exactly lost, Scar and me. Well, uh, not completely, anyhow. I had a sort of a general idea of our whereabouts, but I must have taken a wrong turn back at Glen Forks or we'd have reached Minton by now. The trouble was I'd never covered the southern part of the state before, and so for the last half hour, I sort of kept my eyes peeled for a ranch where I could get my bearings. Hadn't spotted any signs of civilization, though. There didn't seem to be any settlers along the trail. And when I finally did come within sight of a house, I almost missed it. 
Well, Scar, he didn't. He was thirsty and he could smell water. What's the matter, boy? What's the matter? What? Oh. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh. It was about a quarter of a mile east, nearly hidden in a clump of cottonwoods, and large, rambling, two-story building, sort of gray-colored, like it had been white once and needed a coat of paint. to wonder whether anybody still lived here. Easy, boy. Easy. Easy now. The steps leading up to the porch were cracked and broken. And a hole on the side window was stuffed with newspaper to keep the wind out. Hello? Anybody home? Who? Who is it? What do you want? Well, just some directions, ma'am. I'm looking for a trail to Menton. Yes, ma'am. You should have turned east at Glen Forks. Oh, oh, Trail I see. past here is the old one. It's four miles longer and nobody uses it anymore. I see. Well, as long as it goes to Menton anyway. It's four miles longer and nobody uses it nowadays. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, still, it'd be shorter than going all the way back to Glen Forks, wouldn't it? I... I guess so. Yes, well, thanks, ma'am. Oh, oh uh... Oh, ma'am. Yeah? Uh, you don't have to have some extra water, do you, from a horse? Pump out and back. I'll show you. Oh, no. No need for you to trouble yourself. I'll find it. Come on, Scott. No trouble, Mr. Uh... Uh, Ponsett, ma'am. Britt Ponsett. Ponsett? I think I've heard my husband speak of you. Oh. You can use that bucket. Oh, here it is. Thanks. We've had a dry summer. Very dry. It may take a while for it to start growing. Sure, sure. Britt Ponsett. I'm certain the general mentioned your name. The general? I'm Hannah Guilford. General Guilford's wife. Oh. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to meet you, Mrs. Guilford. Then... Then you do know William. I knew him, yes. Yes, ma'am. I I knew him when he was in command of Fort Clark. That was a couple of years before he... Fort Clark. I wasn't with him there. William thought it would be too dangerous. Indians. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The general will be very pleased when I tell him to stop by. He... He's taking a nap he... now, and I'd hate to wake him. But if you're going to be in Minton, well, perhaps some other day... But uh, I, I don't quite understand, ma'am. I... I... I thought that I, I mean... You don't believe me, do you? You're like all the others. You think he's dead. You think the Cheyennes killed him? No, no, Mrs. Gilbert. I tell you, he's alive. General William Gilbert's still alive. Well, Hannah Gilbert wasn't the first woman to get rocked off balance by the shock of her husband's death. I was kind of surprised that she wasn't over it by now. It's been five years since the massacre at Red Hills. Five years since William Guilford and his cavalry regiment have been wiped out the last man. Easy, boy. Easy. Oh, I had enough? All right, come on. Anyway, I led Scar away from the pump, and I started to climb into the saddle. Just then, the front door opened again. Huh. She looked different now, somehow. Clear-eyed, calm, sensible. Mr. Ponson? 
Yes, ma'am? I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Well, I'd be happy to, Miss Guilford. I've made a list of some supplies I need from Trailer's General Store in Minton. Would you ask Mr. Trailer to bring them out first thing in the morning? Oh, certainly, ma'am. Here. My husband and I were planning to take the buckboard into town this afternoon, but I don't think he's up to the drive. This way you'll save us the trip. You sure you don't mind? No, no, not a bit, not a bit. Uh, bye, Miss Gilford. Bye. Don't forget to tell Mr. Trailer first thing in the morning. That's when I want them. Well, she's not getting this stuff first thing in the morning or any other time. No? I can't go on supporting Hannah Guilford for the rest of her life, Mr. Ponsett. You can see that. Sure, sure. I know the general was a hero, give his life fighting for the rest of us, but there's a limit. Uh, feeding her ain't enough. I have to send food for him, too. Yeah, well, I'm afraid I don't understand, Mr. Trailer. Well, look at this here list of hers. Here, right here. Two steaks for the general. You know how thick to cut them. Oh, I see. Well, I'm not saying don't feel sorry for her, living out there all alone, cooking meals for him. There's talk she even sets his place at the table. Well, what are you... But she's carrying on like this for five years, Mr. Ponsett, refusing to believe that he's dead. Pretending that we're the ones who are crazy because we tell her the truth about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we all thought, the folks here in town, that is... We thought she'd come to her senses long before this, but she don't. She seems to get worse all the time. Oh, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not good for the town, either. Well, how's that? Well, you know how kids are. Oh? Uh, they get ideas. Well, some of them have been sneaking out to the Guilford Ranch, and they claim they've seen the general's ghost. Oh. Yeah. Next thing, it won't be just the kids who are talking that kind of foolishness. Mr. Ponsett? I've heard her carry on a conversation with the general. Is that so? Yeah, sometimes when I come up to the house with a load of food, she's chattering away like he was right there in the same room with her. Gives a man a peculiar feeling. Well, that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, sure would. <clears throat> you don't think it's wrong of me not to give her the grub? No, it sounds like you've done about all... You can for him, Mr. Trailer. Besides, it ain't just a food. It's a six-mile ride out there. And I have to close up my store while I'm gone and lose all that trade. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why, you... Oh, what's the use? I... I keep saying I won't do it again. Keep telling myself I'll put my foot down for good and all, but I never do. I get to thinking about the general and how much we all owe him. Then I get to thinking about Hannah, too. How pretty she was when they got married. She's young and pretty. She was a lot younger than him, you know. Only about 20 at the time of the wedding. Let's see, that was 17... No, it was 18 years ago. 18? Well, it... you mean she... What did that make it? You mean... you mean she's only 38 now? Yeah, somewhere's in there. Or not mm -hmm. much older, anyway. You wouldn't think it to look at her, would you, Mr. Ponsett? You wouldn't think she was once the prettiest girl in Minton, now would you? Uh, I guess she's been through a lot. Yeah... Yeah, I guess she has. Well, I suppose I might as well start getting her order together. If I have it all ready to take out there in the morning, I won't miss much business. <laughs> in fact, the matter is, I won't miss any business. <laughs> Seems how I got the only general store here in Minton. <laughs> <laughs> 
Say, if it'd be of any help to you, Mr. Trailer, I could drive out to the Guilford Ranch tonight and deliver the supplies. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to put you up. No, I haven't got anything else to do. The cattle I'm waiting for haven't showed up yet. Probably won't be here before morning. Well, if you're sure it won't be an imposition. No, not all. I'd take it myself, but it's after seven before I close up, and then by the time I had supper, it makes it so darn late. Sure, I understand. It'll only take me a few minutes to fill her order. Oh, uh... Why don't you just dip into that cookie barrel there while you wait? I left Scar at the livery stable and trailer loaded the grub for Mrs. Guilford into the buckboard. And I started off for the ranch. The sun had gone down by the time I got there. It wasn't dark yet, though. You could still see yellow and red over behind the mountains. But the evening star was getting brighter and brighter. Whoa, whoa, whoa now. Uh, I thought, sure, I... She must have heard me when I drove into the yard, but the front door hadn't opened yet, so I climbed off the seat, walked up those broken steps onto the porch... And the next thing I... Oh. You'll live on charity forever, will you? Gotta do something about the ranch. Tell her to find some way of getting it in shape again. You got to have money. I figured it was one of those conversations Trailer had told me about, that Hannah was talking to herself, pretending her husband was with her. And I I felt kind of peculiar, too, the way Trailer said he felt. And I raised my hand to knock, and then all of a sudden I heard something else. Something that told me I'd figured wrong. It's been five years. Don't you think I know how long it's been? Five years, you call it. To me, it's been 50. Well, there wasn't much doubt about who that voice belonged to. Even though I hadn't heard it since Fort Clark, Hannah Guilford wasn't pretending. And she wasn't talking to herself, either. She was talking to her husband. The Sick Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, for a minute or so, I just stood there in the Guilford porch listening. Like everybody else, I thought General Guilford was dead, that he'd been killed by the Cheyennes when his regiment was wiped out. Why, there was even a monument to him in the cemetery in Minton... I'd seen it that afternoon as a road passed there. You know as well as I do, Hannah, we can't sell the ranch and we can't move away. If we were foolish enough to try that... Why well, whatever the explanation was, it didn't need to concern me, and I turned and started for the buckboard. Right then, one of those cracked porch steps decided to give way. Well, I managed to keep up balance, but I'd made enough racket to drown out half a dozen conversations. Oh, uh, evening, ma'am. What do you want? Why did you come back? Well, I uh, brought the things you ordered from town. I thought I'd save Mr. Trailer a trip. Oh. I? I told the general you were here this afternoon. I, I was just talking about you, as a matter of fact. Yes, ma'am, I know. 
You know. I heard you, yes. And the general. Oh. Here, I'll help you get this stuff unloaded. Never mind. Why? Don't bother with it now, Mr. Ponson. Just come into the house, please. Now, look, Mrs. Guilford, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping here. Doesn't matter. Somebody was bound to discover the truth. I thought it would happen before this. I... Almost hoped it would. This way, Mr. Ponson. Yes, ma'am. I followed Hannah Guilford through the front door. The general was sitting on the horsehair sofa. He hadn't aged at all since I last saw him. Funny, the years had speeded up on his wife, but they'd stopped dead still for him. And when he saw me, he got to his feet and he slipped on an army blouse. And even though the cloth had been patched and mended a dozen times, the jacket was still neatly pressed. It still looked military. Hello, Britt. General? He heard us talking, William. He heard your voice, too. I see. Why did it have to be you, Britt? Well, I, I don't quite understand. Anybody else? People would say it was their imagination, that they'd heard a ghost. But they'd never say that Britt Ponsett was imagining things. They'd believe you if you told them I was still alive. Oh, you never know what people are going to believe, General. What difference does it make now, William? Somebody was sure to find out sooner or later. Be quiet, Hannah. I, I want to think. There's nothing to think about. We have to face the truth, that's all. We? I'll stand by you. Always have, haven't I? Yes, my dear, yes. You, you've been very loyal. But I'm the one they'll court-martial. Not you. Court Not both of us. Court-martial? The army doesn't look very favorably on desertion, Britt. Oh? It was an accident, of course. I, it wasn't intentional. It shouldn't have happened, I know. But my being there wouldn't have made any difference. They'd have all been killed anyway, and me along with them. I see. You weren't at the massacre then? No. I hadn't been feeling well for several days. I didn't know what it was, and the army doctor with us hadn't been able to help me, so I was riding for Browning when when it happened. Yeah? If I had expected the Indians to attack, if I had had any idea there were so many of them, I would never have left my men. The scouts told us only seven or eight hundred. They said the Cheyennes were breaking camp, preparing to withdraw. If I had known there were so many, I would never have left. Yes, but I... How do you think I felt when that corporal caught up with me? The only man who escaped the slaughter. How do you think I felt when he told me what had happened and then died in my arms? Yes, well, maybe if he hadn't died, he'd been able to get help. I went back to them. Back to my men. I saw what had happened with my own eyes. It was horrible. Mutilation. Awful. They were my responsibility, but it wasn't my fault. It wouldn't have made any difference if I had been there. But you should have explained it to the army. I was going to. I wanted to be sure that Hannah understood first. That she was prepared for the shock when the news came out. Then, then by the time I got there, it was too late. Too late? They were saying I was a hero, that I had died with my men. And if I had gone to the army, if I had told them my story, I wasn't sure they'd believe me. They might think I had deserted in the face of enemy fire. There was no one to back me up. No one. I couldn't go to the army. It was too late. I couldn't go to them. So you just stayed on here hiding. You don't know what I've gone through. 
Oh, I've had my punishment worse than any court-martial could give me. Living in darkness for five years, never seeing another person but Hannah, never talking to anybody else, five years, without smelling fleas or feeling rain or having a cavalry horse under me. But your wife kept claiming you were alive. You knew that, didn't you? Of course I knew it. It was part of my plan. We had to have food enough for both of us, clothes for me. That was the way Hannah could get them. I see. Tell everybody I'm alive, I said. Tell them I'm here with you. They'll only think you're crazy. Even if they should see me, if they should stumble onto the truth, they'll never believe it. My wife is a good actress, isn't she, Britt? But no longer, not anymore, William. What do you mean, my dear? Well, you said yourself folks will believe Mr. Ponsett. I said they would believe him. Would? Turn up the lamp, Hannah. My eyes aren't as good as they once were, Britt. I guess eyes need lots of daylight. Well, uh, I... Please, don't go yet. What's that gun for, Jono? A man changes a lot in five years. Some men do. Five years ago, if I had been forced to go back to the army, take my medicine, I'd have been able to do it. But now I can't, Britt. As miserable as I am here, as terrible as this life is, I won't give it up. Put it away, William. Put the gun away. If you fire, if you shoot Mr. Ponson, I'll know that you've lied to me all these years. It was your fault. The massacre, I'll know that you really are a coward. Go into the other room, Hannah. This does not concern you. Not concern me? I loved you, William. Even after you came back, after what happened, I still loved you. Now I know, tonight I know, I don't love you any longer. Any more than you love me. Hannah. Look at me, William. Look at my face, my hair. These five years have done that to me. You've done it to me. You mustn't upset yourself, Hannah. Another year or two, we'll be able to leave Minton. Live somewhere else. People won't recognize me then. People will always recognize you. Why do you think you haven't aged? Why do you think you look just the same? It's so people will always be able to tell who you are and you'll never feel safe. That's your punishment, William Guilford. I'm leaving now, General. No, Britt, you're not. Go ahead! Kill him! What's one more life to you? What's one more life to a man who left a whole regiment of soldiers to die? Your husband's not going to kill anybody, Mrs. Guilford. He said he changed in the last five years. Well, I think he has changed. I think he's become such a coward that even the sound of a gunshot would scare him half to death. Brent! being particularly brave walking out in the general like that. You can pretty much tell what a man's gonna do when he's holding a gun. The way his eyes look at you. And Guilford's eyes weren't staring at me like he meant business. I started to close the front door and I just glanced back over my shoulder as I did it. Guilford was walking up the stairs. He was almost at the top, and then all of a sudden he kind of stumbled. Guilford! Oh, William! Oh, William, a doctor! Mr. Ponson, get a doctor quick! 
afraid it's too late for that. No! No, it can't be. Better let me put him on the sofa here. William! William! You have any brandy, Mrs. Gilbert? Here now, now. Miss Gilbert. Brandy? Yes, ma'am. I think so. On the sideboard. All right, I'll get it. Yes, yes, give William some brandy and then he'll be all right. Be all right, won't he, Mr. Constant? Here, drink this. Me? But I, I'm not sick. It's William who's sick. It's William who needs the brandy. The general's dead, Mrs. Gilbert. No, no, you're wrong. That's just what people think. That's what we want them to think. But he isn't dead. He's here with me. He lives here in this house. You've got to get a hold of yourself, Mrs. Gilbert. Why do people keep saying the general to, is no, dead? Come on, get a hold of yourself stop, here. Stop shaking me. Stop it. But I didn't stop. I went right on shaking you harder and harder and harder until I thought you were going to faint. And then... For a... For a second she went limp and let out a pitiful little moan. And then she... Straightened up and her expression changed. It was sort of like a window curtain being pulled back from in front of her eyes. I'm. I'm all right now, Mr. Parker. Well, I'm I'm sorry if I hurt you any. You had to do it. You hadn't I don't know what would happen. Well, you, you'd better ride back into town with me and spend the night in there, and we can send somebody back here to take care of the general. I can't, Mr. Ponson. I just can't let folks find out about it. Yeah, well, I'm afraid it's got to come out now. Everything? That he, that he left his men to die at the massacre? That he was ashamed to admit it? That he's been hiding here ever since? Isn't there some way we can leave him as he was? Any way at all? Well, I... I don't know. I just... Under the circumstances, it'd be Not for pretty myself. hard to... I don't care what happens to me. What they say about me, but he... The general had been a good soldier once. A fine soldier. What good will it do to destroy that? Well, I know, but I... It's just... Oh. Uh, here, you, you'd better be careful there, Miss Guilford. What? Well, that table with the lamp on it, you almost knocked it over there. Oh. And, uh, if the lamp should get broken, you know, this whole place would probably go up in smoke before we could do anything about it. This wouldn't matter. The ranch doesn't mean anything to him. Not now. Never live here again, anyway. Yes, well, uh, all the same, we have to be careful. You know, fire is very dangerous. Yes, yes, it is. Fire. Now, here, now, wh what are you doing? Now, put that lamp down. Fire! Fire! Come on, come on. Better hurry up and get out of here. Come on. Of course, they found the general's body in the ruins, but they didn't know who it was. 
And the report got around that it was a tramp tried to force his way into the house and she'd shot him. And the fire had been started during the scuffle. Everybody seemed satisfied by that. And uh, as long as nobody asked me, I didn't feel obliged to volunteer any additional information. The next time I came back to Menton, I... By George, I could hardly recognize Hannah Guilford. She, she was working in Trailer's General Store. And, uh, oh, she looked a good eight, ten years younger than she had before. There was even talk about her and Mr. Trailer getting married. <laughs> Seems that uh, after the fire, well, she sort of got a hold of herself, faced up to the fact that the general was dead. At least that's how Trailer explained it to me. He said that the, the tramp breaking in on her has done some good. He showed me the fellow's grave. It was right in the shadow of the monument to General William Guilford. Transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Parley Bear, and Robert Griffin. Special music for this program was by Basil Adler, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Oh, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Tonight, play Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards on the NBC Radio Network. That was Jimmy Stewart as the six-shooter, Britt Ponsett. That one was first broadcast in April of 1954, General Guilford's Widow. Wasn't that good? Virginia Gregg was very good in that, and Parley Bear. What's that, Chester? Yeah, I know. Chester's a big fan of Parley Bear. He loves Parley Bear. And Parley Bear was so versatile, so... Great acting, wonderful script, very dramatic and poignant. And what else, what else can you say? It was just a classic, classic radio show. everybody that's going to kick things in the head for this week the week ending uh, may 29th i guess tomorrow's the 30th and then the last day of the month is on saturday and we turn the clock spring forward fall back we turn the clocks back and out on uh, saturday night sunday morning so that'll be cheery it'll get dark even earlier 
We've noticed that it's dark about uh, 5.45 or so here now. Of course, in the morning when you get up, it's dark. And uh, so maybe it'll be a little lighter earlier in the morning. That doesn't last very long. (laughs) I'm really cheery today, aren't I? I guess this rain is just getting to me. Chester, you got any plans this weekend? It is going to be sunny and very temperate this weekend. No plans? Okay. Me either. Nothing nothing major. Anyway, we're going to go out tonight with a couple of songs from 1954. Now we're going to start trying to make the transition over into some of the artists that we were more familiar with in the 60s and in the 70s and even into the 80s to some degree. So what we've got tonight is uh, we've got a song by Elvis Presley that was a One of the top 100 in 1954. Another one by Ray Charles. But we're going to start off with what? Oh, no, I was going to play. All right, hang on. Hang on just a second. Okay, sorry to stop that so abruptly. But this first song was one of the top 100 in 1954. And before I tell you who's singing it, I want you to guess who is singing it. All right. So here. Here we go. The name of this one is The River of No Return. And uh, listen to it, and I'll come back in on the other side, and you tell me who was singing. Mm-hmm. If you listen, you can hear it call. singing that? Raise your hand if you know the answer. Yes, Glinda over there in uh, St. Petersburg. 
Jane Mansfield. Good guess, wrong answer. Anybody else? Yeah, you know, that was Marilyn Monroe. Did you know? Did you know that she could sing? I, I remember her singing Happy Birthday once to a president of the United States. That was actually from a film that she made in 1954 that also starred Robert Mitchum and Rory Calhoun and Tommy Reddick. Remember Tommy Reddick? He used to play Jeff on Lassie before Timmy came along. That's when Jan Clayton was his mom. And uh, George Cleveland played Gramps. That was uh, when Lassie was really classy, I think. River of No Return. It was about a farmer recently released from prison, his young son, and an ambitious saloon singer. In order to survive, each must be purged of anger, and each must learn to understand and care for the others. So there you go, The River of No Return, and she sang the theme song from it. And, by the way, this was one of the very early films in Cinemascope. All right, everybody, that's it. We're going to go out with Elvis Presley and Ray Charles. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Well, that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you That's all right, Mama Just any way you do That's all right That's all right That's all right, Mama Any way do Well, Mama, she done told me Papa done told me too Son, that guy you fooling with She ain't no good to you But that's all right that's all right. That's all right, Mama. Anyway, do.
just for me Oh yeah She says loving Early in the morning Just for me Grumbles or fusses always treats me right. Never running in the streets and leaving me alone. She knows a woman's place is right there now in her home. I got a woman way over town that's good to me. Oh, yeah. She's all right. I don't know she's all right. She's all right. She's all right. Whoa, yeah.